The reading this morning is taken from St. John's Gospel, chapter 17, beginning at the first verse. After this, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for your goodness and your love for us. And we thank you this morning again for your presence here with us. May these words of my mouth And may the meditations and thoughts of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What story does your life give glory to? What story does your life give glory to? To frame that question a slightly different way, if someone were to look at all of the different parts of your life, if they were to look at all of the different parts of my life, what would they conclude I was living for? What story does your life give glory to? We're all characters, aren't we, in one story or another? We're all part of a greater, bigger plot line. The question then is, what story are we telling with our lives? What are we living for? As we've heard already this morning, this last week has been World Mission Week. A chance for us to hear from some of our mission partners about all that God is doing around the world. It's a chance for us to pray for them, to support them. And to think about what mission looks like for us as well as for them. I don't know about you, but one of the most inspiring things I've found this past week has been listening to stories of those whose lives are clearly telling the story of God. 
These are people who have sacrificed much in order to share the love of Jesus with the world around them. People who are able to do what they do because they know deep in themselves that they are loved by God and that others need to know that too. Hearing their stories and their tales of God at work has made me think about my own life and the story that I am telling with it. Or to frame it in the language from today's reading in John 17, what greater story does my life give the glory to? Of course, the challenge we all face is that the story our culture and our world wants us to buy into is that actually it's all about us. The world tells us that we really are the beginning and the end of all things and that the way to live a good life, a successful life, is to simply seek to improve our own lot. We're told over and over again that if we can just buy the latest technological gadget, if we can just find that perfect relationship, or if we surround ourselves with the right things, we'll become better and better versions of ourselves. It's obviously a huge contrast, isn't it, to the Christian story. A story, above all, of a God who loves us so much that he gave life to us. A God that loves us so much that he refused to let go of us even when we turned our back on him. And a God who loves us so much that he paid the ultimate price in order to get us back. These two stories of the world and of God could not be more different But the issue is that often as followers of Jesus, we find ourselves living in both stories at the same time. So we believe in God. We believe in the salvation power of Jesus Christ. But the story we tell with our lives is a different one. The story we tell with our lives is one that is closer to the story of the world than it is to the story of God. And here's the thing. As much as I see this around me in the lives of others, I see this most in my own life. I see the ways in which I still fall for that alluring story of the world. Those times that while I believe in the story of God, the way my life is lived out is probably more reflective of a different story. I see it when I believe that by working harder and by getting better results... God and others will love me more. I see it when I believe that revealing vulnerability is a sign of weakness rather than a sign of strength. I see it when I declare with my words that I trust God with everything I have, but still make sure that I never really step out of the shallow end and take a risk. The truth is that it's so hard for us to simply back out of the story of the world. It it is all around us. As one author puts it, it is the water within which we swim. So what is the antidote? How on earth can we begin to live in one story, in God's story? How do we live in a story where God gets the glory as he deserves to? We do it by aligning ourselves with Jesus, who in his whole life lived one story, God's story, and through throughout his life gave glory to the one person who deserved it, his father. 
when we align ourselves with him, when we begin to shape our lives around him, and when we put our trust firmly in him, we begin day by day to live more and more in the story we were created to live in. And our lives give and reflect glory to God. It's helpful, I think, to briefly consider what we mean by glory, what we mean by God's glory. Our passage today from John 17 is full of references to glory, glorifying, glorification. In fact, the whole of the scriptures are saturated with these words of glory. So what is God's glory? Let me take you back for a moment to Isaiah 6, that famous passage where the prophet of old is about to be commissioned for God's work. As he stands, he sees around him, all around him, heavenly hosts who are calling to one another with these famous words. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. God's character, this angelic declaration tells us, is holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. That is who he is. And the expression of his character, the expression of this holiness of God, is glory. Holy is the Lord. The earth is full of his glory. One writer, um, helpfully I think, put it like this. The glory of God, he says, is the holiness of God put on display. The glory of God is the going public of his infinite worth. The glory of God is the holiness of God put on display. So God's glory then, it is all around us. Creation is his glory. We, you and I, are his glory. That in and of itself is a staggering thing to think about. And I would encourage you to think about that in the week that is to come. That we are his glory. But God's glory is also present in the interactions that happen between us day by day. The glory of God is manifest where we reflect his character, where his graciousness, mercy and goodness are in evidence. So God's glory is expressed when we love the least and the last and the lost. God's glory is expressed when we forgive as we have been forgiven. God's glory is expressed when as artists of all stripes we create works of beauty. When we speak words of encouragement, when we are full of the joy of the Lord and when we share that joy with others. If that's what God's glory is and that's how it is expressed, it follows then that we glorify him by praising him for who he is, for his character, for what he's done for us, and by reflecting those expressions of glory back to him. We glorify God by thinking and acting in ways that celebrate and remember and rejoice in him. That's what we were created to do from the start. We glorify God by living as he intended us to. By living lives that point not to us, but that point to him and to his glory and his holiness. Of course, the place and the person where we see this most clearly and most abundantly is Jesus. Jesus is both the perfect revelation of God's glory 
and the perfect expression of what it looks like to live a life that gives glory to God, a life that tells the story of God. What we find in John 17, as we've heard read this morning, is Jesus coming to the end of his time here on earth. He knows as he prays that his hour has come. And so he lifts his eyes and he prays to the Father. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you, he says. Acknowledging to the Father that he has brought him glory on earth by finishing the work that he gave him to do. This prayer reminds us and hits home for us the fact that Jesus has done what none of us could ever do. He lived a life that from beginning and end gave the glory to God. He didn't succumb to the other stories around him, but lived resolutely with both feet in God's story. And in doing that, he is for us the picture of what God's glory looks like. For in Jesus, all of God's beautiful characteristics are put on display for the whole world to see. His love, his mercy, his grace, his compassion, his longing for justice, all of these are found in Jesus. I have brought you glory, Jesus prays to the Father. I've done what was asked of me. Now, he prays, glorify me. What is that final act of glorification to be? It is to be the cross. Jesus knows that this final and most important act of glorification is for him to die upon the cross. He is to do that which we could never do, to take upon his shoulders our sin, to die to it, and to rise again victorious over it. And it is by this final act of glorification of Jesus the Son that we, you and I, are also glorified. Not by our efforts, but by the work and the salvation of Jesus. Now this is eternal life, Jesus prays in verse 3. That they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they would know you. By stepping into our place for us and by dying on the cross, Jesus opens for us the gate of glory, enabling us in our sinfulness to know God and to live in relationship with him. All of our broken attempts to give glory to God find restoration in Jesus upon the cross. Salvation, it becomes clear, is not ours to earn, but ours to delight in, ours to embrace, and ours to give great thanks for. For we now share in the glory of Jesus. And of course, the only proper way we can respond to this is to give the glory to God. That is, after all, what we were created to do. When we seek to give God the glory, when we seek to praise him for who he is, when we seek to ensure that it is his name lifted high and not ours, we glorify him for he is worthy. When we make it our practice to daily seek him, when we begin to shape our lives not around the relentless shouting of the world, but around the gentle rhythms of his grace, we glorify him for he is worthy.
when we look at the life of Jesus and when we determine to reflect some of his character and his goodness here on earth, we glorify him for he is worthy. So back to that question I asked at the beginning. What story does your life give glory to? The answer to that question is as much about being intentional in the future as it is about critiquing the past. We all have a choice about what story we tell with our lives. We all have a choice about who it is we point to, about who it is that gets the glory. And we can choose again today what sort of story we are to tell. We were created to live in the most beautiful of all stories, the story of God. We were made to be characters in his story, yet so often we feel the pull to another story. But in Jesus we find both the picture of and the way to living a life that glorifies God. Through Jesus, we are invited to walk through those gates of glory and delight in the Father's presence, to live lives that, while broken, also bring glory to him. To live a life that brings glory to God is to live the life that God intended for us. As Paul would later write in his letter to the church in Corinth, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So what story does your life give glory to? By God's grace, may all our stories point to him. And may we all give him the glory that he deserves. Amen.